Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 242 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick. He's Justin. Justin, um, the team's slumping. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no other way to say it. The, the starting pitching isn't clicking. The bullpen isn't clicking. The hitting is inconsistently inconsistent. That is redundant. I realize <laughs> that now. But nothing is clicking all at once. And this team has lost a lot in terms of its positioning. I know it. it uh, you might as well not even look at the standings. but Yeah, I won't be. So They've just... They're 3-7 <laughs> and seven in their last 10 games. Uh, they're not beating teams that are above 500 anymore. Uh, they still have a fantastic record at home, but these long road trips have just been punishment for them. They get 10 games at home now, so time to make some hay. That's the way I see it too. And if you look around, like you look at their, their opponents, I'll give you some numbers. We're going to talk about the Atlanta Braves today. The Braves are 15 and three on the road (laughs) and that's their first opponent. Yeah. Uh, Yankees are seven and nine on the road, and uh, who else comes down? Baltimore. Baltimore are thirteen and eight on the road, which is not really—it's not good, but it's not—it's really not bad at all. No, that's, I guess that's you could good. say it's good. I'd say it's good. But Baltimore is also only nine and nine against teams above five hundred, and there's a lot to be said about quality of opponents as well. Uh, the Jays are coming home, and they are licking their wounds, but it's a long season. And uh, this team had a worse record at this time last year, didn't it? Yeah, I believe it was not as good. They were they this is kind of the same thing, right? We were wondering like, where's the offense outside of a few guys? The offense wasn't there last year either. It seemed to take the team until about May to May to June to get going offensively. Yeah. And this year it's been Chappie, Bo, Vladdy, and. Uh, well, for a bit, it was Kevin Kiermaier. Whit Merrifield's been playing pretty well lately. And, I mean, Dalton Varsho's coming up, and so is Belt. But still waiting for Kirk, Jansen, Espinal, uh, Springer to get going, right? It's yep. just been – I mean, Springer's been sick, so we can't uh, rag on him too much. And, I mean, hopefully this off day and getting him back to Toronto, he can be close to 100% to go with tomorrow's game. That would be what I'd hope for. I'm going to tell you something that's absolutely absurd. If the New York Yankees win tonight, they'll be 22-18, and 18, and I believe they tie Toronto for last place in the AL East. Mm-hmm. That means every American League East team will technically be tied or in a playoff position. Yeah, and they could all be leading the AL Central right now, so... Every single team could be leading the AL Central. And the NL Central. And the NL Central. Uh, oh, my God. That's wild. Abolish with, divisions. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is 1-9 in, in the last 10 games, and they lead the NL Central. So imagine if you abolish divisions. There would maybe be one other American League team who would make the playoffs outside of the Amer- like these five American League East teams every year. Like, yes. Kansas City would never make the playoffs again. Chicago would never make the playoffs again. Like Oakland would definitely never make the playoffs again. Like none of those I'm, teams would ever make it. If you had to guess without looking, out of the, all 30 teams in Major League Baseball, what place would you say Toronto is in right now? Well, based on the fact that they could be leading two of their divisions, and I know for a fact they'd be close in the others, I'd say they're probably 7th or 8th right now. Yeah, you sniped it. Uh, they are... They have the seventh best record in MLB. They are half a game away from having the the tied for the worst <laughs> record in the American League. That's East. wild. Yeah. There is there is nothing to worry about I with mean, this team. That it's, that kind of goes slumping. to show you that the new schedule is working as intended, though, right? I mean, the we anticipated that the American League East would have better records than they did last year at least on, yep. on average, and so far that's the case, right? I mean, yeah, like the Yankees, are, as of now, are four games above 500 in the last place. Like, that's wild to me, where you have Detroit, the Detroit Tigers who are 17 and 19 and in second place in their division, so. Yeah, but also crazy. on top of that, they've played the American League East a ton. Yeah, that's true. And their record against teams that aren't the American League East it's is good. very good. They're <laughs> yeah. like 2-13 and 13 against that. teams in yeah. the American League East. It's, they've it's, won every it's series against non-American League East opponents, which is pretty crazy. But 
But yeah. the thing is, all of this is going. All of this is eventually going to demonstrate that the American League East is the strongest division in baseball. And yep. in the end, I'm I'm not even exaggerating. I I believe that at least four teams from this division will make the playoffs, and the fourth one will miss by a very slim margin. And they they would have made the playoffs in the National League if possible. I think it should just be. Top eight teams from the East, top eight teams from the West, get rid of divisions, uh, and then just duke it out tournament style. Best three of five. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're talk- here to talk about the Blue Jays. Yeah. If you like what we do, Twitter is at BFMD Podcast. Website, BFMDpodcast.com. We have a little bit of news we'll talk about, and then we'll talk a little bit of, about the two games against Philadelphia, I guess. And then we'll talk about uh, a couple of our pitchers, what we're going to do when some of them return from injury. And then we'll preview the Atlanta Braves, and we'll be back Sunday to preview the New York Yankees. And the Baltimore Orioles. And the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I refuse to call them the Trash Birds anymore. Um, yeah, we can't. They've, they're good. They've, they've taken that name away from us. Yeah, yeah they're good. They've reclaimed so, it. <laughs> yep so let's talk jay's news justin what do you have yeah so uh we'll start with some minor league news patrick uh, ricky tiedemann had an mri after he was lifted from his uh, most pre- recent start he's week to mm-hmm. week the blue jays are calling it with left biceps inflammation as soon as you see a guy leave a game with an arm injury you right away fear it's something in the elbow but thankfully it wasn't it's just his bicep muscle he's just been doing too many curls i guess so yeah um, blowing too many people away with his big fastball. So hopefully Ricky can rest it up and be back in late June or July, even just so he can get some innings in. We'd love to see him get over that 100 inning mark this year just to give himself a shot to make the big leagues next year. Um, really derails the uh, Tiedemann hype train, though, for the moment, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's firmly parked in the station again. We were kind of hoping he would force the team's hand to move him to AAA and even to the show this year, but that doesn't look like it'll happen now. So, there Yeah, we go. is he old enough to drink in Canada yet? Uh, <laughs> like, he's very young. Yeah, I think he is 20, so... Okay. Yeah. He's not old enough to be in the States, though, I don't believe. So that's... Yeah, barely. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, he's young, and this injury I don't think will we'll chew up that much of the season, so let's just see yeah. what happens week to week. Yeah. Uh, not terrible, but not great. Anything else? Mm, on Ricky, no, but uh, one guy that we've always followed up on, um, Adam Klopfenstein, was drafted from the same high school as Jordan Groshans, who, of course, has since been traded to Miami. But we want to bring up Adam Klopfenstein because he's actually having a relatively great season for New Hampshire in AA. He's really struggled to kind of solidify himself as a minor league pitcher the last couple of years. Last year, pitched to a 554 ERA over two levels in 112 innings. This year so far, he's off to a pretty good start, Patrick. If you take away the first game of the year for him in which he gave up six earned or six runs, four earned over four innings, he's actually been relatively solid his last uh, four times out. His most recent start was very good. He went six shutout innings, scattered seven hits, and struck out eight batters without walking anybody. The biggest thing that was Klopfenstein's problem this uh, in his minor league career was walks. And so far this year, he's got 30 strikeouts to 10 walks. So that's a much better uh, ratio. You want anything really 3 to 1 or, or more is good. And he's around that 3 to 1 mark. So I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm more impressed with, with him than I ever have been in terms of his Blue Jays minor league career. So hopefully he can keep that up. Yeah, it's, it's early. We might as well trademark that. Uh, <laughs> that's every <laughs> every baseball fan. How we should like take a drink every time we say it's early, and we'd all be yeah. dead. But that being that. said, we've we've been waiting for years now for Adam Klopfenstein to make and make the adjustments needed to sort of improve his game to game performance, and it looks like we're seeing it now. He had a rough start to start off the year. However, since then, he's gotten better and better with with each performance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you love to see it. I still think he's a couple years away, but the fact that he's pitching well now uh, in double A, if he keeps it up, he might get promoted before the end of the year, at which point we'll have another 
23-year-old prospect uh, hanging out in the minor leagues, ready yep. ready to blossom the same way that we did with uh, Alec Manoa. Although they're not the same type oh, of pitcher God, at no. all. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how his season continues because he actually fell out of the Blue Jays' top 30 prospects, according to MLB Pipeline. So he's really been off the radar. So maybe um, he'll work his way back onto that list here in a midseason update. But, yeah, he, he really just fell off last year especially let's just rip the band-aid off now let's talk <laughs> about the two games yeah. against the phillies uh we'll start off with the eight to four not so great performance uh from alec manoa mm-hmm. um let's just talk alec manoa for now obviously trevor richards did not pitch well uh or you know not well enough yeah. It's weird because... The problem was is that they left him out too long again, in my opinion. Yeah, they keep doing that, and we keep talking about yeah. how our relievers are getting left out there for too long, and it's almost like they're listening, and then they're like, let's do the opposite. <laughs> it's uh, the... it's the, the thing. So I was actually... like I, I wanna just, well, Before I dive into Manoa, I want to just touch on Richards a bit, too. I, I was So he came out to finish off Tim Mays' inning um because Mesa finished off needing for Manoa and then couldn't get through the next inning he gave up a, a base runner and an earned run well didn't Nate come out give up yeah two... oh, excuse me yeah Nate sorry yeah he came in he gave up Nate. a walk I... hit walk yeah. two hits and only that's right got no yeah so Richards came out got through his first inning no problem uh came back out again and it just wasn't the same like it was the yeah the velocity, like the velocity, was still there, but the location just wasn't. I mean, it's tough to for a relief pitcher to have to go up, down, up, down. You know, like that's just not really their mo. And Richards has been used in multi-inning situations and had done well in recent ones. But I mean, you play with you play with fire for so long, and then it's gonna burn you. And I mean, oh my God, is that a Harold uh, Reynolds quote? It was for the one one from Dyson. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, if you look at the time before Richards gave up those three runs, right? It was a, it was a one run game. Like it, it was five to four for Philly at the time. The Blue Jays had battled back in the sixth and the seventh innings to get themselves within a run. And then bringing Richards back out again to start the eighth inning, it just kind of got away from them. And Swanson had to come and mop up the mess. Um, which he did. Which he did. He did up, up a hit that led to a couple of runs that Richards had put on. But, but those aren't his runs. Those aren't his runs did let them score but they weren't his they were inherited runners but i mean it it really was a case of this game getting out of a hand in the fourth and the fifth inning when manoa was still on the mound and i thought through the first three innings that he was looking better he still isn't getting any swing and miss on his slider like nothing it's just every they're laying off them all like they're not they're not competitive pitches yeah and that's the phrase I think you'll hear us repeat a uh, hundred thousand yeah. times. It's just like you, you watch where Jansen is setting up or Kirk, whoever Kirky, sorry, who is in there. Um, he always catches Manoa. And I mean, you look at Alec Manoa's slider heat map and it doesn't look that bad for the red spots. Like the red spots are good, but it's the rest of it. It's like a, it's just so spread out and there's no consistency here. It's the same with his four seam fastball map. Like, Yes, there's a firm red spot at the top of the zone where you like to work with the four-seamer, but the rest of it, like, it's just all over the place. It's not a tight grouping. And yeah. it's that's what's leading to so much inconsistency and the lack of swing and miss is that when he's throwing these sliders, there's so many of them that are a good foot to two feet off of the plate where they're never a strike when he throws it. They're already a ball, and then it just breaks even further. Can I propose something to yes. you? Um, look, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm still a Manoa fan. I, I think he can turn this around. I think this season is going to be very difficult for him. I, I I think he came into this season unprepared. Okay. Uh, In a sense that he was not prepared for the pitch clock to have as dramatic an impact as it has. Um, I don't know how to put this in a way that doesn't sound... Hmm. Let me think. <laughs> Dead air. There Dead are air. some there are some questions around how to be better prepared for the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. 
it requires you to be quicker. Uh, the only way I can think of that a, that someone could get quicker would be to work on cardio. <laughs> I'm really trying to beat around the bush. I, I see that, yeah. I think everyone knows what you're alluding to, and I mean... I'm not big, saying... He's a big man. He's 6'6", 285. Like, he's... He's a massive He's man. He's a large man, a beast of a human. Is I don't have enough data to back up what I'm saying as far as if there's a correlation between struggling with the pitch clock and I'll point pitcher you to, size. I'll point you to another pitcher who's who's a who's an absolute unit as well. Lance Lynn, six five two seventy, obviously at the tail end of his career, but also not having a good year. Um, similar velocities to like Manoa. Fastball average is only 92 for Lance Lynn. Throws a cutter instead of a slider and a, and a curveball. But I mean, it's it's a it's a similar build. Obviously, a 10 year age difference, so you can't you have to factor that in too. But they're both guys who have gotten off to shaky starts this year. And I mean, Vladdy was playing third and first base when he admitted that he wasn't physically fit enough the most on most pitches vladdy all he's doing is getting into a squat getting ready for the for the ball to maybe be hit his direction or maybe having to go to first base to receive a throw he's not trying to throw 94 95 miles per hour or throw a good slider on every ball and play right there's a big difference between pitcher fitness and first baseman fitness Vladdy's not maximum effort on every pitch. He is. Am I so? Am I onto something, or am I I, am I reaching the two things that? Well, there's three things that I think are an issue for Alec Manoa this year, and yeah, maybe maybe fitness is one of them. I think maybe he focused. I'm not sure what what his off season regimen was, but maybe there wasn't enough on on fitness. I don't know. I wasn't there. None of us were. No. Hazel May would know because yes. she was recording a lot, what, a lot of this <laughs> off season. But uh, like that's that's something that I, I I think that might be a thing is that he looks like he's tired out there, like he's perpetually sweaty. Which I mean is fair. He's working hard every time he's out there, and most pitchers are. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like perpetually looks like he's like tired. Like he has that look on his face, like he's trying to catch his breath all the time. And fifteen seconds isn't a lot when there's nobody on base, right? I mean, it's been 20 seconds most of his season because he's always got somebody on. But even so, it's not a lot of time. Um, the other thing, of course, is the slider, right? Like, he's last year it was, like, I think it was 31.8% uh, whiffs on that pitch. And this year it's it's not. Yeah, 31.8 on the slider. This year the whiff percentage on it is 24.2, uh, which is way down. But he's also throwing it less this year, so like I, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's not. He's not finishing the pitch. I think the game planning hasn't been that great either. I think that they're, they're throwing, too many, uh, too many sinkers this year, and that pitch hasn't been good so far. In my opinion, anyway. I, mean, I do want to also clarify is, this. Uh, what I'm saying is not the same thing that Anthony Recker said way back in February. Yeah, when yeah, that no. came up. I'm not saying the same thing at uh, even remotely close to that. Um, I, I have, I'm not criticizing Alec Manoa for the in the same even remotely close. I'm no. asked my the question that I have is, what is it that we are seeing from Alec yeah. Manoa that we think? Maybe contributing to his struggles. Yeah, the and fact I, that uh, his, his slider is just not landing. No, uh, it just feels like he is unprepared when he is out there. It feels like he is constantly having to rush. And the main difference between last year and this year is the pitch clock. Yeah, the and biggest if the pitch, thing. Yeah, and if the pitch clock is forcing him to react quicker and to be more prepared, that means having to exert yourself more often faster and if you have to do that that has an impact on your body and if that has an impact on your body the only way to sort of improve that is you know improving i guess your cardio or your physical fitness i'm not saying 
Alec Manoa is not physically fit. He is. I'm I'm saying, is the pitch clock yeah. having that impact on him? Because yeah. it is asking a lot of a human being to act in a certain period of time. Yeah, and I I uh, I said sinker and I meant to say four seam fastball. It yeah. it's been barely barely a good pitch this year. But here's here's from an MLB.com article after his latest start in Philadelphia. Patrick he threw thirty sliders on Tuesday. Fifteen of them the Phillies did not swing at. They were balls. Yep. They swung at thirteen of the other fifteen pitches. They made contact all thirteen times they swung. Eight for foul balls. Five for balls in play. A couple of them were outs. But the two that they didn't swing at were two that went for called strikes. So no swing and miss on 30 sliders. The slider is traditionally a swing and miss pitch. And That tells it me it's been. just straight up non-competitive pitch to the point but where location just isn't working. It's not just the slider this time, Patrick. Uh, 40, 42 swings against Manoa in that start on Tuesday. They only missed three times. That's 7.1% whiff rate on all of his pitches. That's the Red Sox Not game, good. the previous game out, 45 swings, only three swing and misses for a 6.7%. So his last two starts, he's gotten five, or sorry, six six swing and misses on 87 swings. Yeah. That's just that just tells me that there's it's more than just the slider, but the but the slider is causing the problems because of the fact that it's not competitive, right? they're eliminating that pitch effectively. It's like when Gosman was struggling last year for those few starts where he was only throwing his four-seam fastball up and his splitter down. They were just laying on every laying off everything down the zone and swinging at fastballs and hitting a lot of them. And then Gosman started throwing his four-seam fastball low in the zone and getting called strikes with it because batters would see it was low. They'd lay off and it would come at the knees for a called strike. He's still doing that this year. The difference for Manoa is that his two other pitches are a two-seamer and a four-seamer. He's got a change-up, but he hasn't used it much this year, only 12% of the time. And it hasn't been great either. His slider and his change-up are his two worst pitches this year. If you don't have a breaker or an off-speed pitch, you're in for a bad time when you're expected to throw 100 pitches in a game. You know, It's tough. It's really hard. and I don't, I, I don't know... I, I, we're not pitching coaches. We don't know how nope. to fix what he's doing. We also we're don't just, see him in. We don't spend time working out with him in the gym. Exactly. We don't know what's going the on. The only thing that we see as fans is what's written in the media and what we see on the TV or here on the radio when we're, when we're watching Blue Jays baseball. The third thing that I want to bring up, because we've brought up the f- potential of fitness and the issues with his command, is maybe it's time to let Denny Jansen catch him for a game or two. I'm not saying like him and Kirky work great together. There's nothing wrong with that. But when there, there, there are certain things that you can fix in a game and changing your lineup and changing who the catcher is, is, is one of them, right? If, yeah. if Bo wasn't hitting, if, if, if uh, Chappie wasn't hitting so well, he wouldn't be hitting cleanup. Like that's, you would, you would move him down the lineup, right? It's just the way it is. But the tough thing of, I'll play devil's advocate with myself. It's tough to have Denny Jansen catch Manoa because he is catching um, most of the time catching Kevin Gosman the day after, and he's always catching Kikuchi the day before. So it makes it tough for Denny Jansen to then catch Alec Manoa without them rearranging the rotation in some way, which they could have done with the off day today, but they aren't going to. They're going to stick with it. And not skip. Say they could have skipped Kikuchi, for example, and re- reorganized yeah, the rotation. Yeah, and they have they have seventeen yeah, games. Yeah, so we know in 17 that days, we so. know that that's not going to happen. They're not going to rearrange the rotation for at least another month. Essentially, now it might not even be ever. It might never happen until the All Star break. Like, there's so not how an do opportunity. We, how does the team? How does the team <laughs> better support Alec Manoa at this point? I and think this that's is, the biggest uh, thing. Sorry to cut you off, but no, the, the biggest on. thing they can do for him is the bullpen sessions need to be, I think, just throwing sliders. Just throw sliders the whole bullpen session if you have to. Like Watching a ton of video, I think just working on mechanics without even throwing in a baseball, just practicing the delivery. Because right now, it's, it's, it's like the, the release points are so different than they have been. He's really struggling with 
like the the vertical and horizontal movement on his slider the pitch just hasn't been there at all and i think that is um that is the main problem right now is the is just the delivery has not been repeatable on that pitch and it's led to velocity changes it's led to inconsistent finish on the pitch where he just leaves him hanging and i think the other thing is i mean you you're let's let's face it they're they're not going to send him to AAA. They're not going to demote him unless this continues for like, unless it gets worse, really. Um, I know some fans have been saying <laughs> to demote him. I even posted a, a couple of tweets on Twitter today saying like, the only way Alec Manoa gets demoted is if like there's nobody, uh, as if, as if like he gets hurt or something, you know, that's the only time he's not going to be in the big leagues. And yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, he's out there every the five days, you know. <laughs> it's. I think we're just past the point where demotion makes sense. Yeah, and he's. It's gonna be a long and I think very tough year for Manoa. He just does it's, not. Lo- he doesn't look prepared. And look, and it's, it's I don't how, know how we, else to say it. It's how Barrios was last year too, and I mean, yeah. we we both said all last year, like, yeah, he's pitching terribly, but. This is a guy who has a track record of, of pitching well. And for the most part this year, Brios has been better, right? We, we were talking about some stats before the game, and he's doing so much better at limiting home runs, uh, limiting the walks. Like, he has been better. Whereas Manoa this year, it seems like he's taken the mantle of the struggling guy on the staff because outside of a couple of rough innings for Kevin Gosman and one rough start for Chris Bassett, the rotation has been pretty solid. And, I mean, a couple of oof does from Brios and Kikuchi but I mean there's your fourth and fifth starter you expect a couple of oofs every now and then but Manoa but started opening Manoa, day <laughs> yeah Manoa is supposed to be our ace and expectations. He, his line from Philadelphia is like to me it's it's like 10 out of 10 uh alarm bells you know 4.2 yep. innings pitched four hits isn't a big deal but a home run four walks to one strikeout Mm. it tells me that guys just there all they have to do is just sit on fastball and if they get one in the zone they're gonna take it for a ride and i mean there was a lot of balls in play right if i mean if you think he got 14 outs only one was via the strikeout so that means 13 of the outs were balls in play honestly (laughs) i i hope he comes back so fiercely that it does also shut down any sort of vindication that uh, like a dumb dumb like Anthony Record would have talking about a guy like, mm-hmm. and look, I, I I don't like that. He was yeah. he was. There's been a couple of outings where he's been better this season. Of course, the the second game of the year against Kansas City, he still walked four, but he gave up only one hit over seven innings. It was the Yankee game where he was relatively good on April 22nd of seven innings, uh, only two hits and one walk and five strikeouts. Like yeah, there, there have been flashes, but then. Since then, I mean, it's been waka waka or getting hit all over the place. And He's just not runs. getting guys to strike out. Yeah, it's it goes back to that. It the like it this this article I was reading today from uh, Paul Casella on MLB.com. It's talking basically all about how everything is stemming from the slider, and until he can throw competitive sliders. He's not going to get swing and misses on his other pitches because right now it's so easy to tell what's a slider and what's what's a fastball, and he releases it because the slider is already a ball when he's throwing it, and the fastballs are strikes. So it's like if you see it coming at you, it's probably going to stay coming at you, and you can swing at it. That's the issue right now is he's not like you like you just said. People are just they can just stand there and and wait for a fastball. They don't have to swing at anything unless yep. it's a fastball. Just so. full on sit on fastball and, and if mean, it's not a fastball then you don't swing and you y- take your free walk. Yeah, and if you get to two strikes, you look for a fastball and if you see a slider you just try to foul it off to get to get the fastball like, you know, like it's 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 just the way it is right now with him as he's not getting well, He's not hitting the zone with really with a slider enough yeah, either. So you problem. can you don't even have to swing it to foul off. You yeah. really just take it. That's and, uh, that's the thing is we when we we've seen we've seen Sunday pitchers make adjustments right we we just talked about Gosman he made adjustments where he started throwing his splitter up in the strike zone a little bit more and throwing his fastball lower in the strike zone to really mask which pitch it is he's not even really throwing the slider this year he's a starting pitcher with two pitches that are fa- that are 
two fastballs is effectively a splitter is still technically a fastball. Um, he's, he's it's like Robbie Ray had success as a two pitch pitcher, right? Like you can do it, but they have to be good pitches, like above average pitches. And obviously, Gosman's splitter is exceptional. But right now, none of Manoa's pitches are exceptional when last year his slider was. So that's the problem. Oh, boy. Uh, And his his four-seamer was really good last year, too. A minus 18 run value was one of the best pitches in baseball. And this year, it's only a minus one so far. So that's another thing is because the slider is so bad, the uh, rest of his offering is not going to be as good either. We can also say, too, though, in the case of the 8-4 game against Phillies, the Jays were 1-for-10 with runners in scoring yes, position. Yes, they missed a lot of chances against Nola. They missed a lot of opportunities where they re- they could have busted uh, the, the gate wide open, and they yeah. didn't. Yeah. And uh, this very easily could have been an 8-4 to game in the other direction, but uh, the mm. Phillies got their timely hitting from Castellanos and company, and the Jays just didn't. Uh, and I think it also would have changed who went out for when and why. Like, I don't think Mesa or Pearson comes out. Yeah, yeah. You know, if they're up 8-4, to four, yeah, it's a yeah. different lineup of pitchers. So, like, you, you throw at your guys who are slightly less leverage because you need innings. Right. And yeah. you didn't really get them from Mesa and Pearson. And no. then Trevor Richards went out there and, and the wheels came off. So. Yeah, and I mean, then you look at game two, right? And I mean, it was it was a most it was a pitcher's duel for the most part. I mean, Wheeler, a, yeah, that's this is a great baseball game. It was a it great sucks. baseball game until the very end. <laughs> sucks it sucks to lose games like this, but reality was that they really played with fire the whole game. I hate, mm. hate that metaphor, but we're gonna use it again. They played with fire the whole game. Jordan Romano didn't look good at all. Um, yeah, he struggled. It is what it is. We had already used Swanson. We had already used Jimmy Garcia. Uh, one nothing game. You got to put out your closer. They put out the closer. He blew it. Uh, you got to put someone out there for the 10th. They got nothing uh, out of their hitters in the 10th. The team yeah. went 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position again. The Phillies were 1 for 10, by the way. So They were, but they still got the one hit. We got zero, so that's why we lost the game. Also, the, the hit wasn't in extra innings because the game ended on an error. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, oh. the, the hit with runners in scoring position yeah. was in the ninth against Romano. It was JT Real Muto's double to left field. But, um, yeah, people who watched the game know what happened in the extra inning. Jays had a chance to turn a double play. Meza snags one, throws it to Bo at second base, who airmails one over Vladdy at first. Bo had time. I'm not sure why the throw was so offline. Uh, I watched. I looked, went back and looked at the replay. He wasn't under tremendous pressure on the slide at second base. The runner was not at first base yet. Like it would not have been a bang bang play. They got him by a step or two. It wasn't the fact that he had to just make a quick throw. He just just oofed it and. It almost came back like the ball ricocheted right back to Vladdy, who then turned and on a dime and threw a strike to the plate, but the runner was already there at that point. Um, so it, it's, it's a tough way to lose a ball game. It is, but what's worse is that we have a mean and nasty lineup of hitters, and it was like they went from being Tigers, not Detroit Tigers, but they went from being <laughs> like Panthers out there to being Kitty Cats. It, yeah. they were, it was, they were just basically shut down in the yeah. two to one game. Struck they couldn't times. muster. Yeah, they couldn't muster any offense. They weren't uh, taking walks. They just there was no furthering uh, at all of uh, the offense, and it bit them in the ass. But I like these types of games because oh, me too. I don't think Toronto like losing two to one. It yeah, it sucks. But uh, I think the part that's worse about it is having your closer blow another game. Yeah. Um. But going 0 for 9, if you go 0 for 9 with runners in scoring positions, 9 times out of 10, you lose the baseball game. It's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. It's and, tough to score runs when you're 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> team, team risk for uh, for the Phillies, like you said, they were 1 for 10. That was the difference in the game. Yeah. They cashed in runs. The Jays did not. Uh, it wasn't even that the, the, the Jays were swinging ugly out there. Uh, they just ended up facing a really good pitcher who was the matchup for uh, for the gas man. Zach Wheeler went out there and he looked great. 
Yeah. What else and can you say? I mean, I'm looking at the kind of the statistics for the last seven days of Blue Jays baseball. Um, and that time, Brandon Belt's hitting 462, Patrick. Yeah, that's great. He's been really turning it on. Bo Bichette's still hitting 318. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is hitting uh, relatively well. I'm just oh, something's not fucked itself up. I just but, don't know what uh, like yeah. I I don't know what to, I don't know what what else the team can do other than just keep playing games and eventually some of the stuff will self correct. Especially the hitting for runners in scoring position. Everybody's cold right now for the most part. Yeah. I, I mean, like it's just it all it's all it'll take is like in this 17 game stretch if they can win more games than they lose i think that's you know treading water is fine mm -hmm. i agree you know it's a long long season this is a long painful stretch and they are against very competitive teams um you know if the team right can rise above then i i think it just further kind of solidifies the fact that uh this team is a contender, and if they don't, well, then we have, you know, you'll have to ask other questions. But yeah, right now they need to win. Uh, I think in order for the six and four thing or six and four in their ten games thing to work, they got to sweep the Braves. Good luck for that, that. streak to continue. That is, uh, that's a tough ask. <laughs> They're the second best team in baseball. Yeah, certainly the best in the National League. They're going through some injuries in their starting pitching, though. They are. Let's talk about the matchups very yeah. quickly, and then we'll circle back to talk about uh, one of the quandaries we'll have mm -hmm. very soon. Uh, we'll start off with the matchup Friday night at the Rogers Center. You've got Spencer Strider, who's having a terrific he's season. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he's been very good up against Chris Bassett. What do you What do you see out of Chris <laughs> Bassett lately that's uh, that's pleasing you? And I'll, uh, I'll preview Strider. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me with, with Bassett is how well he's rebounded after that first start. We talked about it a bit off mic. He's given up six home runs this year. Four of them were in his first start. One of them was in his second start. So he's only given one home run his last uh, kind of five times out there in his seven starts. And, I mean, the biggest thing for me, I think, is that he's been able to limit the hits. He has still given up the walks, and we did talk about that as well, too. But again, I mean, he's limited hits as well. He's given up less hits. He's only about 29 hits, and he's given up 20 walks. His whip is at 1.23, which is very good. Uh, it's actually just above his career average now. But, I mean, he's he's really rebounded from where at the start of the year we were kind of like, oh, God, we have this guy for three years. To now we're like, yes, we have this guy for three years. And I think for me the really the really big key for him is that he's throwing all of his pitches – for strikes right he's he's using only four of his pitches for more than 10 percent of the time he's mixing in some four seamers some change-ups some sliders he's only thrown two splitters this year so he's cut his repertoire from seven or from eight to seven but he's really throwing quality uh breaking balls his his sweeper has been really good and when he has thrown the curveball it's been in good in good locations and the slider has been in great locations too but I think the big thing for me with him, Patrick, is that the ground ball rate has been has been coming up. I mean, it started off where most of his things were in the air, but he's got the ground ball, ground ball rate back up over 41%, getting closer to his career average of 45. And on this team, when you get ground balls to your defense, you're going to get a lot of outs. So I think that's been the biggest thing that I've noticed from him is that he's been able to keep the ball down and out of the air, which especially in the American League East, leads you to success. So that's what I'm looking for it to continue. Yeah, uh, I, I'm on board with that. I will say out of all the young pitchers in Major League Baseball right now to be interested in watching, Spencer Strider is, if he's not in your top three, I don't know what you're doing. You're not watching you're baseball. Watching. <laughs> uh, aside from having an elite-level mustache, yeah. Uh, well, I, let's give him credit where credit's due. <laughs> uh, he's got one of the best fastballs in four seam fastballs in baseball right now. Negative uh, twenty for a run value last year alone. Off, and that's in fifteen hundred pitches. That is not a small sample size. Um, an elite fastball. He throws out about sixty percent of the time. 
He's got a great slider, which we just talked about as being really key for Alec Manoa. It's the same with Spencer Strider. Uh, his slider is, averages about 85 with an 87 for changeup. He doesn't throw the changeup very often. He's only thrown it 34 times so far this year. But when he does, watch out. <laughs> this guy is just a flamethrower. He's just a classic old-school flamethrower. Uh, pretty much, uh, pretty similar to Robbie Ray as far as he's got the gas and then he's got the slider. Uh, the difference is this slider isn't overpowering like Robbie Ray's was when he was with the Jays. Uh, but he does it all well. He strikes guys out. He doesn't really give up a hell of a lot of walks. His whiff rate is off the charts. His chase rate is high. His fastball velocity is high. His fastball spin is high. Uh, when he gets hit, he does get smacked around a little bit. But again, it hasn't really been a big deal. He because give up his, home runs either. Yeah, he does <laughs> not give up home runs. His whip is 0.93 for the year. Right now, if I had to pick like a, a guy that I would build a rotation around, uh, this might be uh, the guy. This is the guy, yeah. So this is going to be a very tough matchup for the Toronto Blue Jays. Maybe if they can attack the fastball early and often, they can do something. But uh, this is going to be tough. Knock them out of the game. That's pretty much your only strategy. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking yeah. at his game logs, and like he's given up earned runs in only half of his starts. Yeah, and he, he's he's given up three earned runs. He gave up four earned runs to the Mets a couple starts ago, and he gave up two earned runs to Baltimore. He's only gone five innings in his last two starts, so they they have no to get him out of the game, which I think is a key. But he has also struck out 18 over those two. High pitch count, kind of similar thing to Gosman lately, as he's been striking out a lot of people, so he's not going super deep. I think that's your hope is that you can maybe strike out enough to get him out of the game after six innings, or you do what they did to uh, Luis Castillo when the Mariners were in town, just scrape enough base runners together that you make him throw a little bit, a few extra pitches every inning and get him out of there after five or six as well. So that's, that's all you can hope for in, yeah. in a start like this and hope and, that Bassett can give yeah, you six. I was going to say, hope that Bassett can give you a six innings of three runs or less, a quality start. I think you're going to need yeah. that from him to have any chance of winning this game. Um, Let's talk about game two. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about Jose Barrios, and then I'll talk about Bryce Elder. Yeah, well, we were talking about Jose quite a bit before the show here today, and, I mean, it's it's impressive the way he's been able to rebound after the poor season last year. There's still a ways to go, but the good news is he's, he's not giving up walks, Patrick, and the mm -hmm. home run numbers have come down. He gave up 29 home runs last year in 172 innings. He's only at four so far this year in his first 40. So it's been uh, it's been a really nice turnaround for him. The bad thing is is that three of those home runs have been in his last two starts against Boston and against Pittsburgh. So that's something to watch for. But I think the biggest thing for me is the fact that he has been able to kind of right the ship in terms of his command. That's where he really struggled last year. Um, so far, I mean, through April, uh, it, it was really a, a, a big thing for him was striking out six to one in terms of strikeouts per walks. And he continued that so far in May, um, uh, looking for him to kind of limit the contact a bit more. He did, has gotten hit around a little bit. His last two starts, 16 hits over those two, most against Boston. But the biggest thing for me has been kind of the resurgence of the four seam fastball last year it was a negative 17 run value this year it's at zero so it hasn't cost him but it hasn't gained him anything and he's been making his hay with his slurve of course that's his best pitch um, last year it was classified as a curveball but he's changed up a little bit this year where it has a bit more horizontal break so it's been now reclassified as a slurve and he's been doing really well with that getting a 35.3 percent whiff percentage on that pitch yep it's a great and pitch. It's been a really good pitch for him. I think that is the key is he's going to have to locate that well because the Braves had a lot of really good power hitters in Acuna and Olsen who are going to knock misses out of the ballpark if they get him. So, yeah. Yeah. It's scary, but Barrios has, has really, you know, the, the his ERA isn't really indicative of the whole story for the season. Uh, and it's a very young season. Mm. Don't forget that. Um, what's interesting to me is looking at Bryce Elder, 
you look at his numbers, 3-0, 1.74 ERA with 36 strikeouts. You think that's great, but when he gets hit, he gets hit really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, he's not really a strikeout guy. He gives up more than the average number of walks. He doesn't really generate good whiff percentages. His fastball is well below average for speed, for spin. Uh, he's not really getting guys to chase, but yet his ERA is 1.74. So what are, what are we supposed to say about him? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, not a lot, but yeah. what we can say is that he's got a sinker. That's his primary pitch, uh, along with the slider, which he seems to throw uh, almost the same. And what's interesting is mm -hmm. I think that's the opposite. Spins in the opposite direction, doesn't it? Or... Like well, when you grip a slider, he's a righty, so it's it's going it's going down and away from right-handed pitchers, or right-handed batters, excuse me. Right, and the sinker is coming inside. Sinker comes the opposite direction, yeah. Two seam fastball, okay. aka sinker. So he's he's probably mixing those two up quite a bit. His four seam fastball, it, there's a lot high in the great zone, location. which is it's a great location. It's a juicy target. Uh, if you can lay off of that uh, chocolate mousse, as Danny Jansen once said, maybe you draw some walks. The changeup, you know, being a changeup is, it looks fairly inconsistent for him, but this guy is just, his slider is just, it's good. I don't know what else to say. He's just a very, very good young pitcher. Again, 23 years old. Yep. I don't get it. The like the the Braves won the World mm -hmm. Series a few years ago, and and they're already reloading. You want to know why he's been so good this year, Patrick? Yeah. Fifty-eight point three percent ground ball rate. Well, that's just it, isn't it? It's he's a he's a pitch to contact guy who generates a lot of weak ground balls. I think that what hurts him is whenever it's not a ground balls, it's right where we've seen those hard hit rates higher as the stat cast numbers show but um the the ground balls you're gonna if you get 58 percent ground balls even if they're hit relatively hard there's a good chance they're still gonna turn into outs and if you can keep the ball on the ground you're gonna have a pretty long baseball career and that slider is already a minus nine run value he's so absolutely smoking yeah. <laughs> the fit projection his era is, is 1.74 and his fit is 3.67 you got to think at some point yeah i mean that probably levels out that fifth number is not even bad though it's just the fact that he's he's pitched better than than expected when the expected is still pretty good <laughs> yeah like when you're blowing away you're blowing away your fifth projection like that dramatically like i don't know man this guy is yeah. just really an, going to be annoying to face i think i agree um let's chat about yusuke akuchi in this third game I think the biggest thing that I've noticed, again, it's the same kind of thing with Barrios, Patrick, because he's been able to limit the walks. These Both these guys really struggled with walks last year. Kikuchi is still giving up the long ball. He's giving up eight so far this year. But there haven't been a lot of runners on base when those when those home runs have, have occurred. He's, his whip so far this year is a career best 1.19. It was one and a half last year. Um, 33 strikeouts to only eight walks at this point in time. So he's just over four to one in terms of his ratio there, which we love to see. And the biggest thing for me is his location has been much better for the most part. The fastball has been up in the zone. He's still averaging 95 and has touched 97 a few times, 98 even a couple times here. The sliders down and in to left-handed or to right-handed batters and down and away from righties. It's been in a good spot, his and the changeup has been good. Yeah, I mean this his this the slider all of a sudden came out of nowhere after having like it never really be good for him like it's always been a negative run or a positive run value which is a bad thing and now it's at a negative five where it was a, a positive seven last year last year, right? year he was throwing the hybrid uh slider yeah cutter. the slider <laughs> the slider i don't and it wasn't that. it wasn't good but he really refined that pitch in the off season and it's led to great results we saw him throwing more curveballs in the spring he's kind of abandoned that pitch uh only throwing it like five percent of the time but that might be something that we see him maybe work in a little bit more as mm -hmm. the year goes along i'm not sure what his 
kind of mentality is now, but it's been going really well with the three main pitches. And I think we'll see that continue um, in terms of his pitch mix because right now the slider and the changeup, they are not getting hit around at all. And the fastball has been getting hit higher than expected rates. So, I mean, the numbers so far have been really good for Kikuchi. Again, I'm going to keep saying it until he starts pitching worse, but I picked this guy to get Cy Young votes this year. He's got a 335 ERA through his first 37 innings, and then the team has won every one of his starts. So what can you say? I think the main thing that I'd like to see uh, more of from him is... Oh, sorry, they've won everyone but one of his starts. They lost the start in Boston. I'll clarify that. Yeah, that's right. Six, um, they've, won si- they've won six out of seven so far. What, what I'd like to see a little bit more is I would like to see him use the curveball, but it's kind of the location I don't think is there. Um, I guess it depends on what he's going for. I'd like to see him use the changeup more as well. I don't get. Uh, we talked about this before we started recording. If you can throw a good fastball and a uh, two seam fastball and a good changeup, you're Ross Stripling last year. Your money. I I don't get why guys don't just throw yeah. changeups. <laughs> I don't get it. We could. Ta- I know we could talk about we this forever, but, day, like, but it's not easy. It's not easy to just wake up one morning and say I'm going to throw a changeup. Right. Um, and. In this third game, we we we're not we're not one hundred percent certain of who Atlanta is going to throw yet because that was supposed to be Max Fried's spot, but he just landed on the IL and is going to be out for a couple of months, which is unfortunate for the Braves and for Major League Baseball, but fortunate for the Blue Jays because Max Fried is tremendous. Um, it might be Charlie Morton, who I think every every baseball player who's played in the last thirty years is probably played against Charlie Morton at some point because the guy's just been around for what feels like forever. Uh, what do you, what can you tell me about him? About Charlie, Charlie Morton, o- old man Charlie. Like what is he? He's thirty five, thirty nine now, and he's pitched for Pittsburgh, Houston, Tampa. Tampa. And he's back in Atlanta, where he career. He even had a year in Philly too, where he pitched only four games for them. Well, I can tell you that uh, he's got a good curveball. Um, it's his primary pitch. Um, I could tell you that it's probably one of the best curveballs in baseball. Um, he still he still has gas. He's thirty nine and he can still throw gas. Yeah, he's still throwing ninety five, right? On you like you love to see that. Uh, yeah, his his location for his four seamer, I'm not quite sure if that's the ideal location. If that's what it is, you know, yeah. he seems very aggressive with it. Attacking Which I mean, zone. when you're throwing a curveball half the time, you kind of can be with your. With yeah, your he's just about average and everything else. Like he's or slightly below average with K rate, chase. He does walk guys. He does get hit particularly hard when he does give up uh, hits, but he's still a consistent strong starter at age 39. That's wild. Yeah. It that, does. That curveball's been legendary for so long. The changeup, which he doesn't throw very often, is a little bit higher in the zone than I think what I would want. But I'm also I, look. I'm not a fucking coach, so what can I say? He's all but abandoned the cutter. Good for him. <laughs> it's a good move. Um, I just think because he has such an elite curveball, and guys can't hit it. You throw that. His sinker got has gotten roughed up quite a bit actually this year. Opponents mm-hmm. are hitting four forty four with a seven seventy eight slug. So if you're sitting on sinker from Charlie Morton, you might be able to take it for a ride. As I'm, long I'm if, not... you have, if you have a ten pitch at bat, you might get one sinker though. So yeah, well that's the thing. <laughs> you gotta yeah you, you gotta lay off the curveball and smack the fastballs and smack the fastball. The problem is the curveball. For Charlie is in one of two places, dropping down in the uh, lower middle of the zone, or it's out of reach, yeah. out of the zone. So if you're swinging, you you best know where it's going because if you don't, you're gonna look like a fool. But that's what Charlie Morton has done for many years. Even at 39 years old, he's striking out a guy per inning pitched. Not an easy task. Um. 
What can you say about the Braves rotation? It's not 90s <laughs> level good, but I mean, they've got young guys in here who are and I mean, definitely outperforming expectations. And that's then you've just got... the rotation. They've, they've also got a tremendous lineup as well, too, right? I mean, exactly. It's, it's just not going to get it's this is a, this is the best team that Jay, Jays have played all year, period. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm looking at their their lineup right now, and I mean, it's going to be a tough series against uh, so against Barrios. They're likely going to roll out Acuna. Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Sean Murphy, Eddie Rosario, Ozzy Albies, Marcelo Zuna, Michael Harris, and Orlando Arcia. I don't see any like, weak spots in this lineup. There and isn't one. That's Acuna there, there and Olson isn't. are having tremendous years, as is Sean Murphy. Actually, um, it's like these guys are these guys are World Series champions. The majority of these this Braves lineup, and their bullpen is really good. Like they're just this is a well built team. Uh, we'll see Kevin Pillar back in Toronto. I'd imagine he might get a start hey. this series if they decide to stack righties against uh, Kikuchi in the third game. That could be a good spot for Mister Superman to get into a game. Um, but it's this is a team who, my God, like I I look at them and it's it's tough to see a hole right now. It is their rotation, but we're gonna see three of their good ones. They've only got th on their depth chart on Fangrass and it only has three starting pitchers because they have so many injuries. So either they're going to call somebody up to start that Sunday game or they might do a bullpen day, which we the Jays haven't come up against a bullpen day yet this year. Um, but this might be a case where they do end up using it depending on how the first couple of games go. So This is the toughest series I think they've played all year. No disrespect to Tampa, but I, I think the Braves are built to win playoff series. Yeah. And they've already demonstrated that they can by winning a championship. Well, Tampa has not. It's not a slam on Tampa. I'm just talking about this is what's happened. Just the reality of things, yeah. It's just a reality that this is a tremendously good lineup and that all their pitchers are just clicked in, right? They're dialed in, so... Mm -hmm. All you can do is fight to knock the pitcher starter out of the game and hope that you can whack the bullpen and hope that your starting pitchers deliver a good performance. Um, yeah, I think we were we were going to talk about um, an injury some injury quandaries, but unfortunately, like we have a bit of, we have a bit of a time constraint today because I have to go umpire our ball game tonight. Yeah, we're done uh, so for tonight, <laughs> and we we can definitely come back we'll on Sunday. Come and, back on Sunday and. Yeah. We, we need to talk about what's going to happen to this roster when Adam Simber is ready to come back because he's been throwing in the minor league complex and will be ready to get into rehab games. Zach Pop will come back from his hamstring injury eventually, and Mitch White is already rehabbing in AAA as a starting pitcher. So what's going to happen to him? Because he, we've talked about it in the offseason. He doesn't have options, so somebody's going to have to get sent down and and or DFA to make room for Mitch White because I don't know if they're going to get rid of Mitch White because he's a starting pitcher and the depth isn't essentially that great in that regard. So we'll wait and see. Maybe something will happen in the next three days that'll make our make our conversation easier. Like they'll maybe trade somebody. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, we'll come back on Sunday. We'll recap the Atlanta series. We'll talk about this quandary of roster crunch. And then we'll tee up a tough week against American League East opponents, New York and Baltimore. So, can I do one more? Thoughts? Yeah, go one more thing. One more thing. I don't want to. Um, we're done with baseball. Um, yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? Are the Toronto Maple Leafs going to complete the comeback? No. Well, all right. Well, statistically, that's the... statistically, no. No, man, I know it's only of, happened four numbers. times in history. Yeah. You do not believe that your team can do it be the fifth? No. Statistically, no. I I, uh, I do not want to be the Leafs fan who had no hope and somehow found more hope to lose. I'm not huffing hopium. I am I'm, I'm resigned to their fate. They might win one more game, but I don't see it getting to seven. So there is that. Well, they're either going to win one more game or they're not. That's true, but I'm th I'm saying that I think I think they will win game five, but they, okay. they won't win game six. That's as far I, as I get. I mean, three zero is 
I don't know. You have to do it one game at a time, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. All, the, all those <laughs> stupid-ass one-liners that are emotionless, personality-free uh, hockey players give us. That's, I, that's not fair. I mean, you, they don't get – there's a certain expectation of yeah. how hockey players answer questions. It's been that way for about 40 years, and it's infuriating. Um, I shouldn't say that they don't have personalities because they do. That's not fair. I shouldn't say that. I'm rescinding that. I apologize. They just don't show the personalities in these interviews, but blah, 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 cycle the puck, you know, get bodies to the net, blah, blah, blah. I just think Bobrovsky is dialed in right now, and I, I don't know what you do. I don't know. I don't know what you can do except mm. crash, crash the net, and <laughs> uh, hope for the best. Hope and don't get drawn into the same game the Panthers have played since the first game, which is, you know, I don't want to say dirty, but it's it's they, hard. They like to instigate penalties which they do a good job of drawing penalties and yeah at least can't get drawn to that but i'm probably not even gonna watch <laughs> i did not watch game four it's painful it's i painful. i've just i'm resigned to the fact that they're not gonna win the series if it happens great i don't know if i'll even watch anymore if they do advance somehow miraculously so it's <laughs> just I yeah. I'm not gonna be the just when I thought I was out they pulled me back in guy this year I I'm I've kind of stepped out of it already and I'm, it's baseball season for me it's the weather's nice there's no ice anywhere I don't know why we're still playing hockey but that is what it is it is what it is <laughs> we're donezo with this episode thanks for tuning in Twitter at BFMD podcast website bfmdpodcast.com uh, for Justin I'm Patrick and we out. See you on Sunday, everybody. Enjoy the baseball.